Hey entrepreneur, hey creator, do you have intellectual property you need to protect? You need to pay attention to today's show. We got a lawyer on the show. Richard Gerhardt joining us today live in the lab. Hi, I'm Keith Billis and this is Live in the Lab. All right. A little bit of weirdness in front of the camera there for anybody who's watching. Cause I'm like, hey, where's the button? Where's the button? I can't get it going. How did you go viral on TikTok? You were on America's Got Talent. How much do you get paid to be on AGT? Oh, you didn't get paid. Keith and Steve here in the live in the lab. You're a great interviewer. I love it. 48 miles, 48 hours. And not just once. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I hit 50 last time and I'm like, yeah, things are a little different than they were 10 years ago. So trust me, things are to keep. You have no time for the BS that much yeah. of society seems to put on the table. Why is that? Like what you're talking about is real right now. Right? There's just no bullshit here, but it's just real. We brought you in with some Marley. I said, Joseph, let's talk music for a second. You said, well, Keith Oldies, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I've never talked to a sir before. Why are you a sir? In many ways, we're the same story. I came from nothing. You came from nothing. I think the old saying goes that if you want a trophy, you climb Everest. If you want respect, you climb K2. I've built an AI myself, and it's pretty fascinating when you can have a conversation with yourself with your own knowledge. Have you done that before? Why are we rushing to make these tools if they're all they're going to do is hurt humanity? Does the world need an Oppenheimer moment with AI? What a fun show. What is going on, nation? Hey, before you go anywhere, before you go anywhere, I got a lawyer on the show today. I know, I know, I know. You're all just, dude. Richard, the numbers are going down right now. Stop. You got to come back. Especially if you're an entrepreneur. Especially if you're a creator. If you're a creator, you're an entrepreneur, you, you have some knowledge, some intellectual property that you need to protect. Wow. Today's the show you need to listen to because we got a guy in the show from New York City. Yeah, hey, I've had a, I've had a lawyer in New York City before. A thousand bucks an hour. Yeah. That's when I sold my company. Yeah, we all know it. So Richard doesn't know this. Yeah, Richard, I bootstrapped a business, sold it for a few bucks along the way in my life. Had a, had a great lawyer, great broker in New York City. And when we when we sold, I think it was the Capitol. Uh, it was in uh, it was in the same building where CNN was, Richard. A big, expensive steak restaurant. And we chowed down on the most expensive meal I've ever had in my entire life. But my lawyer picked up the tab, even though I paid for it along the way. So, Richard knows how that works. Anyways, hey, listen. Excited about today's show because we're going to take a conversation with a lawyer and we're going to make it interesting. We know how... Listen, I have an opinion about lawyers. Richard's, Richard's ears are perking up. He's like, what? Opinion? Yeah. So, here's my opinion about lawyers. And it's actually a rhetorical question I often wonder that we all, I think we go through. When we put the lawyer meeting on our calendar, everything goes out the window. We, we ignore all calls from our family, from our friends, from our cousins, from our uncles and brothers. We're like, no, I got to meet my lawyer because it's charging me fucking $1,000 a minute. It's incredible to me the power that a lawyer has on you and me. It's like, oh, I can't be late for the lawyer. We can be late for everybody else in our life, but we're never late for the lawyer. And you know what I find funny? Sorry, Richard. Lawyers are always late for us. Yeah. Did we start at 12 o'clock today? I was here. I'm sorry, Richard. I was sitting here at 12 o'clock ready to go live, but the lawyer was late. I know. I, 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 so Richard had no idea what the hell he was getting into when he stepped into the lab today. And I said, hey, man, we're here to entertain and inform, not inform and bore. I know Richard does a podcast. It's a lawyer podcast. 
It's going to be all <laughs> he's waving. I, I love this because I can control all the all of it while he's in the green room looking at the screen going, what the hell is this guy talking about? And he's an IP patentler. I'm going to probably have lawsuits on my ass after the show. Nah, all kidding aside, we're here to have a lot of fun. It fascinates me, though, the power that lawyers have over us as human beings are even more important than doctors. We're all late for doctor's appointments, but we're never late for a lawyer. We're never late for the lawyer because it's real cash coming out of our pocket for their knowledge. So coming up in a few moments, Richard Gerhardt from Gerhardt Law, expert, an absolute expert in intellectual property, trademarks, copyright. I'm going to talk to Richard about the copyright situation with OpenAI, the New York Times and all that stuff. I'm curious about IP and trademarks and and patents and all of that. I'm sure some of you are curious about that as well, because I think we often get confused about it. Is it a patent? Is it a trademark? Is it IP? What the hell is it? Well, we get the guy. And he's free today. I don't even got to pay him. Holy shit, man. I hit the jackpot today. All right. So before we go, though, I want to tell you guys something I saw and I spent time in yesterday. I spent time on a platform yesterday called Rome Headquarters, Rome HQ. Rome is started by a gentleman named Howard Lerman. Company he started was called Yext. Back before the pandemic, he had 1,700 employees around the world, distributed remote workforce, and he was struggling with it. He's like, I just want to be able to hang out with my people. We have this awesome culture within this organization, but it's suffering now that we're all remote. So he said to himself, he said to himself, self, and I, I don't know, Howard, they're not paying me for this, but I said to my, my collaborator this morning, I said, hey, Melissa, I'm just going to brag about them because I love the product so much that they're just going to say, hey, this, this guy won't go away. we got to have him use our product. I have a vision for the lab, the business athlete performance lab, that virtual gym, that virtual place that doesn't exist yet because you don't know it exists. It exists in my head. And I saw it yesterday. In the real world, we go to the gym to lift weights, to run, to do cardio, to do all those things to help us achieve our physical goals, mental goals, emotional goals. Well, the business athlete performance lab is launching the academy, a virtual gym built on Rome. Imagine a flat map where you walk into a gym and you can look around at different rooms and go to those rooms, how to build your personal brand in that room over there, how to learn how to run a marathon over there, how to learn how to climb Mount Kilimanjaro over there, a place that's open 24 seven, a place where you can belong. I saw it with my own eyes yesterday and I'm bringing it to the lab. All right. So more about that coming up, but I just, you know, I don't got a lot of time with our upcoming guest. He's only given me an hour. And I know I can talk to lawyers for a long time. I've seen my bills in the past. So we're bringing up Richard. He's in the green room. We know how it all works. We're going to move the attention over there. We're going to bring the music down. And we're going to bring the young man into the room here. He's younger than me. Yeah, it's a true story. We talked about it before we got on the show. Richard, hey, what's shaking, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great. I mean, this is so fantastic what you're doing. Uh, as you have so much energy. Oh. No wonder your audience loves you, right? You know, you, you got to go with that, right? Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very... No, I mean it. I mean, I, 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 I love what you're doing. So thank you. And by the way, you are being charged for this consultation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will be sending you an invoice shortly. So. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm like, hey, man, I got eight, I got eight minutes with him sitting in the green room listening to me just throw barbs at my lawyer friend. Oh, yeah, you got to pay double for that. Yeah. I mean, there's a... <laughs> In all seriousness, no, I'm I'm very grateful that you're here today with me. I uh, when I when I when I saw on my calendar that I had a lawyer coming up in the lab and did a little bit of research and saw what you were taught, saw what we were going to talk about. I was excited. I'm being very honest. I was excited about it because in a, in a nerdy way, because I'm actually a closet nerd underneath all this enthusiasm. 
this shit fascinates me because yes. I think, because I think it, it fascinates, it confuses a lot of people that are listening to us, but just don't know how and what kind of questions to ask. Sure. I mean, it is uh, intellectual property. That's my specialty. I specialize in intellectual property and that's patents, yeah. trademarks and copyrights yeah. and also trade secrets. But it's the law of what governs ideas, right? And so we're living in a world now where ideas are the major currency, right? And so understanding how you can use other people's ideas and how you can protect your own ideas is really important, I think. And it's it's really important for entrepreneurs. It's important for creators. And I, I, I just love this area of the law. I've been doing it for 35 years. It's fascinating. I've never thought about doing anything else in my life except this professionally, that is. Um, and we work with entrepreneurs. And I, I love that because that's where the world's happening. I always tell my clients I get to see the world two or three years into the future. Yeah. Oh, yes. People are, people are bringing me their ideas that are now just getting out there. And and so it's an, it's tip of the spear. It's amazing. So, um, so yeah, I love talking about this stuff. I love, uh, you know, uh, thinking about entrepreneurs, new ideas, new ways to protect things. Uh, it's in my DNA. So you, you just created my hook and I didn't even realize it, but I love what you just said. You get to see into the future. I never thought about it that way because a guy like me calls you up and says, Hey, Richard, I'm working on something. I'm going to launch in 2026, 2027 or whatever in the future. And here's what it is. And we can't tell anybody about it. Right. You can't. That's you can't. fascinating to me. But um, I, I can't talk about it because there's the attorney-client privilege, right? Course, so anything yeah. that anybody tells me in confidence, I, I have to I have to keep in confidence. But you're right. There's a runway. I mean, nobody, nobody makes it big overnight, right? You got to start somewhere. And it's usually kept under wraps for a while while people are working things out, getting their commercial plans, their business plans uh, together. And then there's a launch and then there's a ramp up. So that that usually takes some time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately, intellectual property lawyers are involved at an early part of the process. So um, so we get to see everything that's that's happening now. But then people are going to be buying in the future. So mm -hmm. uh, neat place to be, mm -hmm. neat place to be. You know, you said something a few moments ago, which also fascinates me is just this idea. And I want to dig into patents, trademarks and copyrights in a second. But I've, I've dealt with enough lawyers in my lifetime, buying a business, selling a business, going through divorce, whatever reason along the way. It's this idea, Richard, that because I'm a, that you're a proxy for me, this attorney client privilege is that concept of a human being a proxy for another human. Let's remove all the titles along the way and just say, okay, Richard, you are now my proxy and I'm just going to zip my mouth shut. Like that's fat. That's a fascinating concept for me because then you're like, okay, I'm going to become Keith and I can't share anything that Keith is with the world because I'm actually Keith. Right. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, it's a, there, there are a few limited exceptions to that, but I'm your representative. And so yeah. for the one narrow place where you hire me, I'm the person that's representing you to the world or yes. to the United States government or to the court or the patent or trademark office. And uh, I'm your I'm your representative. And my job is to put your situation in the best possible light to hopefully get the best possible decision that we can to help you do whatever you want to do. Right. And so that's my that's my job. And so being a proxy is an interesting way to say it. I've never heard it said that way, but um, I, I think the term fits, you know? Just because I look at it as I'm hiring you as my proxy, 
because here's another term that a, a lawyer friend shared with me, which was, I'm hiring you to be my proxy to live out the art of law. It's an art. It's an art form. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's method acting. There's, there's method all that there's, it's just, there's process, yeah. there's methods that have to happen to, 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 bring, to bring my story to the best of light to represent me. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's the attorney's understanding of the law and the law is vast. There's a lot of rules out there that we have to be familiar with. Yeah. And then there's our clients needs. We need to understand uh, what our, what our clients objectives are uh, and how to move, make forward progress, you know, honestly and ethically. Yes. Uh, and then also to do it cost effectively. Um, and then we also are, are, are charged, though, with getting getting a certain result or at least creating expectations about what kind of results can be had. And we have to do this to different audiences. I mean, if we're negotiating with uh, a potential business partner, we take a different track than if we're negotiating with opposing counsel or if we're speaking to a jury or a judge or if we're speaking with a clerk at the patent office. They all require different communication skills and different communication types. And we, you know, we write documents that we know that law clerks are going to read, but judges may not read. Mm -hmm. And so all of this involves uh, some, I like to think, some, some really interesting communication skills. And one of the things that I enjoy about being an attorney is really kind of honing and perfecting those skills, uh, you know, for the, for the audience that I'm trying to reach. I love that you said communication skills because I'm going to weave it into the world we're living in right now, which is with chat GPT and other open large language models. And don't people, get me started, but I, uh, you know, this is I, great because people come yeah. to me and say, Hey Keith, I don't want to, I don't, I struggle with creating prompts or I don't want to create a prompt or I don't know how to create a prompt. You know what I say to them, Richard hmm. is I say to them, talk to the GPT, like you talk to a lawyer. And here's what I mean by that. What I've learned through my experiences with a lawyer, because I love communication. I love the power of words. I love the power of articulating words. I love the idea of being an orator. I, I, I like being selective and intentional with my words. If I'm sitting down with you to solve a problem, it's really important that I'm very intentional with my words to you so you can help articulate what we need to do to solve my problem. If I add a lot of fluff, a lot of layers, a lot of color to that conversation, it doesn't add any value and it doesn't get us to the end. So when I sit down with the GPT, you need to be articulate. You need to be clear. You need to be concise. You need to speak to it like you're speaking to a thousand dollar an hour lawyer looking to get results. That's right. I, clarity. I agree. Clarity makes all the difference when you're working with AI. You can ask the same question slightly differently. Mm -hmm. You can get different answers because uh, it's it's the, your your query maybe is not clear, but you're not you're not actually hitting the nail on the head when you're asking the uh, AI bot that you know for that kind of information. So um, yeah, I mean, so like so go there, go is, there is, with is, is, is there a process that you go through when um, you're trying to? you know, get the right answer in AI? Is there something that, that you do to make sure that, or is it trial and error? How do you do that? Uh, great question. So I, I, I'm tech nerd guy, like straight up. I, I, when new technology comes, I'm an early adopter. I jump into it. So my life changed in November, 2023, when I saw GPT-4, I'm like, oh, or GPT-2, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. And then I started digging into it and learning, 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 and becoming quite good at it. And what I learned, Richard, was 
speaking to it like I'm speaking to you right now. And, and again, just with clarity and, and intention, clarity and intention. Right. And, and of course, trial and error, but no different than if I, if I talked to you 10 years ago compared to how I talk to you now, very different. Right. I, you know, I've got maturity. I've got language. I've got, that's why I say my young friend, guys like you and I are more valuable today than we were ever because knowledge, Richard, is a commodity now. It's a, com- it's, it's accessible anywhere, but your experience, the way that you can weave words together, the way that you can communicate, you know, with all respect to my 20 year old friends, they don't have those skills yet. Yeah. And I, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong journey too. Uh, part of what makes me an effective attorney, if I may kind of toot a horn here a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm saying this really for the benefit of the audience and not for my benefit is having worked with these intellectual property ideas for years and years and years, I learned how to express them and communicate them to my clients in a way mm-hmm that they can understand it without having to like go to the internet and look up words and stuff like that. And right. so that, that, that really, I feel like is the, the value that you get from a more experienced lawyer is the ability to take the complicated stuff and boil it down to the essentials and speak with their client and have a conversation with them. So you're both on the same wavelength. And your client can make the right decisions for what they need to do. And so that's really uh, super important to me. And uh, it's not something that happens overnight. If you speak with somebody who doesn't have that experience, they're still in the process of trying to figure out the best way to say it while they're talking about it, where I've, I've already said it 500 times. So right. I know how to say it, right? right. And, yes. And that is the, that's, that's an important piece. So anyway... Um, but I love that process. I love that process of learning how to how to communicate. And, you know, each time I do a podcast or I do a show or even sometimes when I hang up with clients, I say, you know, I could have said that one thing a little mm. bit better. And, you know, maybe it would have resonated a little bit differently. I don't know. But uh, because so. you are a communicator for a living, <clears throat> you'll appreciate then I think what I'm going to say next. Mm-hmm. I chose Richard to do this show live so that I could be held accountable for my live words. So that I can be intentional, uh, I can be authentic, uh, I can make mistakes on the air and then go back and correct them if necessary. Right. Where, and for marketing reasons, because I'm anti-podcast, because everybody's a podcast and just says it's in a fucking closet and I just do once a week, once a day. I'm like, no, I'm doing a show. I'm doing a show. I'm doing a show seven days a week. We're going to entertain and inform. But my point is, is that I do this live for, because I love to communicate and I, and, and I, and it encourages me to be intentional with how I'm speaking to my audience every single day. And it pushes me to be creative and intentional. Well, me. you've got a big job because you cover a lot of different topics. And I think to be able to speak well about a lot of different topics takes really the absolute best communication skills. I mean, I'm fortunate. I get to take talk about the same kind of universe of things every day, right? And right. I sometimes repeat the things to my client. You know, I'll, I'll talk with one prospective client. I'll talk with somebody else. Uh, and lots of times I'm saying the same things. But you, if, if you're in a position like you are, where you're really trying to cover the spectrum, you know, you, you have to you have to really be able to think on your feet, I think. It's, but, but I think it's called curiosity. I'm, I if there's one thing I've learned, I think one of my superpowers is Richard is, is my curiosity. Uh, yeah. I love to read. I love to meet 
interesting people. Again, I, you know, all jokes aside at the beginning of the show, I'm going to sit down with a lawyer for an hour. I'm like, no, fuck, I was excited about this. Cause I, cause deep down, a lot of what you do fascinates me because it's, it's down to communicating and solving problems. I believe every problem in the world can be solved with words. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know if I would agree with that. I mean, how do you fix your car with words? All right. I've got a, I tell you how you communicate the problem to your mechanic and he fixes it, but and does he, he use words? So, okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe we're, maybe. I mean, I'm just, I, 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 I'm just, I'm just busting your, your no, whatever, because that's fair, that's we're fair. live and I, yeah, no, I'm I, I, to make I, this I, fun, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could absolutely. agree with you too, you know, yeah, but, no, I'm, I'm, listen, throw me, uh, throw me all the sand you want. I'm all for it. Uh, <laughs> I think we can fix the car with the words. Right, because because somewhere along the way, the mechanic's got to process it in his head and put those words together in his head to go, okay, to fix this thing. I gotta put some sentences in my head and talk to myself and go and fix it. So I, I'm making an example. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'll give you that one. It's but your show. I'll give you that one. Thank so. you. It is my show. You're right. Thank you. That's exactly. It's live in the live with Keith Billis, not with Keith Billis and Richard Gerhardt, not with Richard Gerhardt, with Keith Billis. Damn it. Yeah, and so and the host is always right. You know, so that's, that's if you want to come on again. Oh man, hey, Richard. So. Let's talk a little bit about what you co you commented a few moments ago uh, about when I mentioned Chat GPT, your ears perked up. You're like, oh, I got some opinions on that. So, as a guy who sees into the future and a guy who's who 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 talks to companies about the future, I would right. love to hear your POV on the the you know when when Chat GPT came to the world, how it's affecting your industry. Would love to just hear your point of view on all of this. Sure. I mean, I think. Um first of all you have to be amazed with the technology yes i mean it's just for for all of the things that it does and you you know it's it's hard not to see the potential of what um ai is going to be able to do for us um and as an intellectual property lawyer i will say wholeheartedly that i am fully on the side of developing technology in every way that it can be developed i will say though with chat gpt i am a little concerned about how it could literally just take over the whole friggin world right and and I don't, I'm really concerned that it's going to get to a point where human beings can't, uh, can't control it anymore. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to morph into something that's, that's, that's bigger than we are. And, and then I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe we're going to live in a utopia. All right. But, you know, everybody talks about the, the movie, the matrix, right? The whole, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the thing that everybody or Skynet, one of those one of those things. <laughs> and um, I, I just I worry that that that's going to happen. So I don't know what your opinion is on this, whether you think that we should take a no holds barred approach. I do think that the, there's a lot of company money out there that is investing in AI can do no wrong narrative. And it's being driven by companies that have financial interest in uh, AI. and I don't know who are the people that are really pushing back and saying, okay, well, we have all of these pluses, but there are going to be some minuses too. And I don't know what institutions or groups of people are are, are able to, to really push back on that. So I, I'm really interested in your opinion, Keith. It's interesting to hear you say that there's really nobody talking about the bad side of it because it's hard to argue with you there, isn't it? Like there's really nobody beating this thing up. 
It's just about how it's going to make the world more productive, make everything better, make everybody productive, et cetera, et cetera. But there's, there's really, you don't hear much opposing voices to it, do you? No. We, I, I, my, my wife and I, we do a radio show called Passage yeah. to Profit. We've had a bunch of AI people on. Yes. Most of them are somehow connected with the tech industry. Yes. And all they do is talk about all the advantages. Yes. But I will tell you another uh, new story I read. There's some scientists in Europe who used uh, artificial intelligence to create compounds, medicines, chemicals that could kill people without a trace, without, you know, so it would be an, like virtually an undetectable poison. And right. they created 40,000 of these just using a software program. Mm -hmm. So you can use the program to make good medicines. You can also use it to make poisons, right? Now, who is watching that? Yes. That's not a good thing. No. And they just did it to see if they could do it, we, right? We, we have both been around long enough, Richard, to know that all you have to do is look to the, to the past to see the future. Right. And, and you heard my monologue. And it's, it's hard not to sit here as a human being in front of another human being and ask ourselves whether we're going to have to go through an Oppenheimer moment with AI. Right, where something's right. going to have to happen in the world, whether destructive or almost destructive, where some government, and it might not even be with all respect to the United States, but some governing nation is saying, hands up, we need to do a pause. Here's what, sometimes I hate the word concern because it sounds so strong, so I prefer to use the word curious. Here's what makes me curious about what happens with AI globally, hmm. is how it is governed internationally. Because my government here in Canada is treating it differently than your government, than the Chinese government, and the Russian government. And it's there, there's not going to be this one AI in the world. There's going to be multiple AIs with differing governing bodies around them. And that fascinates me in itself, Richard. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be it's going to be fragmented. You're yes. going to have different different drivers, different actors with different agendas. Yes. Some of them positive. Some of them are just commercial, but some of them are going to be political or social or what well, have you. Now, right. We're seeing it politically. I think, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going to witness your election here uh, coming up over the next number of months to see how that's going to be impacted with, uh, with, uh, with AI. And I, I would suggest to you that uh, when Altman and the gang released or showed the world Sora last week, it was to show the world what they're working on but not release it yet because they know November's around the corner and the concerns of what happens if you release these products into the market before November. And I, and I know it's going to be out in the market before November, but it's giving us all a heads up. Again, communicating, right? Communicating a narrative, right? They planted the seed last week for what's going to happen 12 months from now. Right. So right? can you explain to me, I, I, I didn't hear about this, uh, this product that you're talking about right now. Can oh yeah. Can you explain it a little to me? Absolutely. Yeah. So as we know, uh, OpenAI launched ChatGPT back in November of 2023, which was the text product, right? Uh, they released DALI as well, which was the image-based product. Uh, they just launched, they just announced Sora, which was last week. Sora is a text-to-video product, which creates motion picture videos. When we're done, I invite you to go and just Google it. You will see videos created, Richard, by Sora that you will think it's created by Christopher Nolan or Steven Spielberg or... Like, it just adds a whole other level of WTF. Yeah, because because again, and then when you see it today, you recognize that it's it's only going to get smarter than what you see today. You go back to your your utopia comment. 
right? Yeah. Because and, and I'll and I'll I'll just add to that, like what I'm creating here in the lab, Richard. I, I will be fully honest with you. I would not be able to be creating what I'm doing every single day without these AI tools that I'm embracing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, on a on an individual level, of course. I mean, yeah. our firm uses it for 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 marketing uh, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, it won't be long before. AI does the majority of drafting when it comes to drafting documents, contracts, patent applications. All of that is right around the corner. Right now, I get five or six solicitations a day from AI companies. You do. I was wanting me to demo their legal software. Yeah. Yes. So, and I, I demoed one in January. It was still had a long way to go, um, but it's going to get better. And then even the New Jersey Bar Association now recently came out for for guidelines for attorneys Mm -hmm. using artificial intelligence for for legal work. And so normally the bar associations are are really trailing the technology. But here there was enough. um, How should I say curiosity Mm -hmm. to borrow your term? Mm -hmm. There's enough curiosity to actually come up with some guidelines for attorneys and how how they're supposed to use this, how they're supposed to interact with clients on it. Um, I think some parts of the legal profession are, there There still has to be a process. We have a very slow legal system in the U.S. in case you haven't noticed. And so documents that are created by AI and submitted will have to go through the court system in order to find out really how how valid those documents are, I think. I think if you have a contract and it was drafted by AI and you sign it and it's an important contract, that contract has to be litigated at some point and a judge and a jury have to make a decision uh, in part about whether the contract is really how valuable that's going to be because it was created by AI. And so that is going to, and maybe not contracts, but like certainly patent applications. If we use AI to generate the patent application and it goes through the patent office and then somebody actually has to sue on that patent application and it has to stand up in court before people are going to feel completely comfortable doing all their patent applications with artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I think now what I'm going to suggest to you is not going to be around the corner in the next couple of years, but where I think you might, and you'll be retired by what I'm talking about, I suspect. Probably. But, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, well, actually, I was planning to retire after this show. So. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, this technology is moving so fast. My point is that it, it, it certainly makes me wonder, Richard, you know, you mentioned that the AI is going to create the contract and then hand it off to people to process it, et cetera, et cetera. See, I think it's not going to get handed off to people. I think you're going to have AI agents along the entire way. I, I, I think you're going to get to a point where what do you need to judge for or a jury when, when you can have another agent that's helping make that decision? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Indubitably. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that time is 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 coming, and and uh, you know AI is becoming very sensitive. Yes, to the human side of of things, you can you can ask AI to draft a document uh, and that it has you know evoke certain emotions. Maybe not a legal document, but um, you can ask AI to 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 do all of these things for you. You can write in different voices. Yes. 
Um, and, you know, before long, it's going to be able to take in the whole universe of human, a human beings experience, everything from their thinking to the way they sound, to the way they feel, the types of things that they react to. And all of that's going to be reproducible in a computer, right? And, and so then at what point then, why do you need a human to, to make a judgment? Right. Well, and I, and I think what's fascinating about, and again, when I came into today's conversation, I'm really glad we're having this part of the conversation right now, because I think that you have a point of view into this space and into the world that many don't, because the foundation of law is words. The foundation of law is concepts and ideas. What's ChatGPT? Words, concepts, and ideas. So just what you said at the beginning. It's exactly it, right? So when you sit down and you go to work every single day looking into the future, which fascinates me actually. I can see the concern. Now, now I really can be empathetic, be honest with you, 40 minutes into the concern you have. Right. Because, you know, because, because your industry is going to be the one that's going to be most, I think, one of the most largely affected industries over time because just the concepts of law and the concepts of how this technology works. When you can make something immutable with technology, I don't need a lawyer and a judge and, 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 to, to do it for me. Right? right. So, I, so that fascinates me. And, the fa and by the fact that you're in the space of looking at patents and copyrights and trademarks on future products, you really do have a point of view into this that many don't think about. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Oh, well, thank you. And, uh, and thank you for re receiving my opinions on this. Um, they are the opinions of me and not the management of sure. your heart law. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. I absolutely get it. Yeah, yeah. But, so let's, sure. No, go ahead. What were we going to say? No, I was just I was just going to point out that um, that part of I think good having having good decisions that that hopefully people can respect is that a, a good judge will take into account a lot of different factors and not just the black letter law. Yes, right? take into account who are the two parties. Why are they here? What are their intentions? Who's who's really doing what? And they they look beneath the surface. And then, you know, that that's ideally, right? Yes. I mean, in real life it doesn't always happen that way. But that's yes. ideally and that that's what people think of as justice, right? It's and can AI really deliver that? I think it it probably could eventually. Yes. But um but that's I think that's a key question. So that's what yeah. I was that was what I was going to say. You were going to ask a question. I apologize if I. No, no, this is, listen, I, I just like to have a show. We're having good dialogue back and forth. This is awesome to me. Uh, and I'm, and I'm confident it's awesome to the people listening to this thing right now as well. Richard. So speaking to the people listening to this, they're, they're tuning in. Cause I'm hooking them that, you know, I got a lawyer here, an IP expert. I got a trademark expert, copyright expert, a guy who sees into the future expert. Let's, let's educate the audience right now, Richard, on some of the common mistakes that somebody walks into your office and you're like, oh man, come back in a couple of years. Common mistakes that somebody like me would come in with an idea or wanting to patent something or trademark something or, or copyright something where you've seen time and time again where you're like, Billis, get out of my office, man, until you get your homework done. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to absolutely be absolutely thrilled to address that question. I'm going to just start out by telling, reminding people, refreshing your, your recollection about the, what patents, trademarks, and copyrights are yes. and the difference between the three, right? So uh, a trademark protects a name, it protects a brand. So Coca-Cola is the most famous trademark in the world. It protects the brand of Coca-Cola. So if you go and you buy a can of Coke at your 7-Eleven, 
you know that it came from the Coca-Cola bottling company. You know what it's going to taste like. Um, and it's, a, it's sort of an in, indicia of quality, right? It's a source identifier. So that's trademark. So you, if, you, if you're an entrepreneur and you're out there uh, selling products or services, then your products or services have names. Your company has a name. And all of those things implicate trademarks. And so getting back to Keith's question, one of the biggest mistakes that people make, uh, and unfortunately I see this uh, time and time again, is that they don't do a search before they start using a name. So what ends up happening is they start a business, they're able to get the business registered in the state where they're at, but just because you can get the business name for your LLC or for your corporation, doesn't mean you have the right to use it in commerce. It just means that you have the right to call your business that. But that doesn't mean that somebody in another state doesn't have a trademark on that same name. And so what you have to do is you have to, or what I strongly recommend you do, is you you do a trademark search. So if you're going to call it, you know, um, you know, Keith's podcast, you want to make sure that somebody else hasn't already trademarked the term Keith podcast. And what happens is you start out, you're under the radar, you invest a lot of time and money in your brand, you do advertising, maybe if you have a product, you do packaging, uh, and, and you spend a lot of time building up the name of your company. And then two or three years into the process, so you find out somebody in California has a trademark that is exactly the same. And they're mad because they were there first and they think that you're infringing their trademark and all of a sudden the lawyers get involved and you end up spending a lot of money. So the, 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 the best thing to do is once you start a business and you're pretty committed to moving forward with it, you know, do a trademark search. Um, I recommend contacting a professional to do that. Um, you know, our trademark searches are like between 650 and a thousand bucks. So it's not that expensive when you consider all of the money. I've got one client who ran into that situation. We've been in litigation now for five years. He spent hundreds of thousands of dollars defending his name because it's cheaper. You know, he doesn't want to change the name because it's going to cost a lot more than that in market goodwill. And so... <laughs> If, if he had just done a search to begin with, it would have never happened. You know, he could have made a change when the business was young and he probably could have avoided this whole situation. So that's my, that's like number one on my list for entrepreneurs. Make sure you do a trademark search. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, that's the one thing you'd, you know, kind of kick into somebody's rear end they haven't done. Is there any bit of, is there any alternative advice you'd offer somebody walking in that's thinking about starting and, and considering trademark and patent and copyrights? Uh, at what point should they be calling you? Well, on the trademark side, I mean, so you don't necessarily have to file for a trademark registration right away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that's another cost, but you at least want to make sure that your name is clear to use. Right. Uh, yes. And you want to do that, you know, after you've <coughs> committed to the name, you know, I mean, you know, most of us start a business, we get the URLs, right? You know, you go to GoDaddy, you buy 15 URLs, you kind of toss it around, you ask people, okay, so now the next step is going to build a website. So, um, and you're going to call the website, it's going to be somehow related to the URL, it's going to be, you know, Keith's podcast, uh, Keith's live podcast. Um, and so, I mean, at that point, you want to do some research. 
You mm -hmm. at least need to do research on the internet yourself. Mm -hmm. I recommend for, and that doesn't cost anything except your time. Um, the challenge there is that there may still be violations, trademark violations that could come back to haunt you. And that's why it's better to get a professional involved if you can afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, this is what we do. I mean, we do, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of trademark searches every year. Mm -hmm. We have special software that we can use to find, find out issues. Um, if you do, uh, if you, if, but part of the problem is, is people become infatuated with the name and they would just say, well, I'll do it later. Or I don't think it's, I, I don't think I did a quick internet search. There's nothing out there. That doesn't mean that you're free to use the name. So that's, you know, I would say at a very early stage for the trademark and stuff. Um, for the patent stuff now, so trademarks cover brands and they cover names. Um, patents come, cover ideas and inventions. So anything having to do with technology is protected by a patent, right? And there's different types of patents. There's cheap patents and expensive patents. There's patents that offer very narrow protection. There's patents that offer very broad protection. Uh, and if, so if you have a new uh, a new technology uh, that you're that you're building the business around, then it makes sense to talk to an intellectual property professional, professional at least preliminarily to get a sense: is this protectable? How much is it going to cost? And is you know is it is it worth it? You don't have to necessarily decide to go forward with the project right then. But most IP lawyers will offer a free consultation. I mean, we do for people who are interested in potentially protecting their IP. And based on that discussion, you'll get an uh, idea of the costs and you get an idea of, is this the right time to do it? Uh, is this the right time to file a patent application? Is it going to be worth it? Um, and But you need to get that information once you've again, once you start getting close to committing money to the project. So, you know, you know, maybe before the prototype stage, maybe right after the prototype stage, if you're if you're making uh, uh, a widget, if you're working with software, um, you know, once you sort of have the system architecture mapped out, uh, you want to check in. This is the same issue. Number one, you want to make sure that somebody else hasn't got a patent on that already. You want to make sure they're not going to be able to block you from selling it. And then you also want to be able to find out, can I protect this with a patent? And does protecting it with a patent make sense for my business strategy? Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's, there's, you know, there's a, lots of times entrepreneurs are very concerned about going public with their inventions. Uh, I tell people sometimes I, people tell me their invention before they've even told their spouse. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so there's a lot of trust there. But, you know, it's it's um, it's it's one of the things that having intellectual property does for some entrepreneurs is it helps them feel protected so that they can go out there into the marketplace and start commercializing their product. So a lot of people are really scared about putting their ideas out there because they're worried because it's a good idea. Somebody else is going to pick it up and run with it before they have time to implement it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's a realistic fear. Um, sometimes it's not. Um, but by, by having the patent on file or the trademark on file, people feel much more comfortable reaching out, 
talking to vendors, potential business partners, potential employees, because it's protected, right? And so it's just the act of doing that that provides a, sort of a, a psychological freedom to move forward with their project. <laughs> so Richard, I want to be respectful of your time, my dear lawyer friend. We're coming up on our hour together. As I joked at the beginning here, we have an hour together. I want to make sure that you have a platform uh, to... Uh, Inform the audience about Gerhard Law, about your podcast. I think it's on it's on Radio America, Our Heart Radio. It's probably on Spotify podcast. Here's your chance right now, Richard, to talk a little bit about what I have not had a chance to ask you about, or or we have not talked about. Please use this platform now to talk about the show and anything else that you feel is important. Sure. So um, I hope your silence was not boredom. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm a, I, I, so if anybody, so anybody who watches me long enough knows that my silence is taking it in, and then my pause is reflecting on what you've just said, so I can ask a good question. So no, no, I. If anything, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, my silence was looking at the clock on my on my on my computer, going, "Okay, it's twelve fifty-one. I only got a few minutes here. Do I want to ask this question, or I got to wrap it up? Ask the question, okay. wrap it up. So that's what it was. All right. I don't well, want to wrap it up, but we have to. Let's wrap it up. All right. Um, so uh, Gerhardt Law, we do all sorts of intellectual property and we also do agreements for entrepreneurs. So we're, oh, yeah. we cater almost exclusively to entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. You can go to our website, www.gerhardtlaw.com, and you can book a consultation with me or any of our attorneys uh, to talk about your business. And we will discuss ways we can serve you and help you move your business uh, forward. And uh, my wife and I also have a uh, syndicated radio show, a nationally syndicated radio show. Fun. Uh, it's uh, iHeart. It's called Passage to Profit. Uh, it's on in different markets at different times. Um, but you can catch us in uh, New York area on WOR 710. Uh, we're on at 11 p.m. on Sunday nights there. Um, we're also on in Atlanta. We're on in Boston, Portland, Chicago. Um, plus another 25 or so uh, radio stations across the country. Um, and we talk with entrepreneurs who, uh, who've made it, and we talk with entrepreneurs who are trying to make it, and we like to hear their stories. Uh, and we also like to discuss the question of to talk to people who are thinking about starting a business uh, but aren't sure yet. And so we talk with them about... Um, well, what's it like to have a business? You know, can I do a business while I have my, my full-time job, right? Um, you know, what if I fail? You know, which I, my opinion is there's never a failure. It's always just an educational experience. Yes. But, yes. but a lot of people have fears about starting and we don't tell you what to do, but we ask our guests to talk about those topics and you can hear it from different people uh, and get some answers to that questions about whether being an entrepreneur is the right is the right path for you. So, uh, and that's all I've got to say on those subjects. It's passagetoprofitshow.com is our website. Uh, we also have a podcast. We have, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook. So, um Wherever you want to find us, you can find us. Just type in passage to profit show.com. I love it. I love it. Richard, a lot of fun today, man. I, uh, yeah, was it good? It was good for me. It was good for me you too. Know, it was it. good for me. I got to talk a lot, you know, and, uh, which is always, which is always fun. Well, you, so you do a lot of shows, you do your radio show, you do a lot of podcasts. How, how did, how did we do today? This was definitely one of the best. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, your energy out of the gate is just uh, astounding. Uh, I really, as a, as, a, as a host myself, I really admire and respect what you bring to this podcast. So thank you, thank thank you, you. very much for having me on. It's, it's, it's been great. That's very kind of you. Thank you very, very much. I'm, I'm, uh, I like to teach this of my guests because I was taught this by a guest of mine a number of months ago. And he taught me about this idea that in the morning, every single morning, Richard, I take my vitamin G. I'm sorry, my vitamin C, my vitamin D, my vitamin E. And I've learned to take my vitamin G when I meet my guests. My guests. So my vitamin G is my gratitude. So I'm offering to you a dose of vitamin G from the Business Athlete Performance Lab today as my way to thank you for joining me today. I got a lot of gratitude for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's awesome. So I'm going to stick you back in the green room. I'm going to look at this camera over here and say goodbye to my audience. And I'm going to come back and walk you out. And I know I got a couple of seconds left because we're getting close to the top of the hour and the, built and the, old, the, old, the, old, the old meter starts. So hang tight. All right. Be right back. All right. Me. All right. Take care. Hold on one second. Boom. There we go. We're going to flip this on because we know uncle likes the old music. The old chief athlete coming to you from the business athlete performance lab. Hey, I can make any conversation interesting. Just bring me the person. Just bring me the person. I don't care what they do for a living. I love human beings. I love communicating with human beings. Anybody can be interesting. Everybody has a story to tell. You just have to learn how to ask the right questions. And you know how I feel about communicating with intention and purpose. So I invite you to go back. If you're just tuning in late and you kind of wrapped up with us, go back to the beginning of the show. This guy sees the future. I'll leave you there with that hook. We'll see you tomorrow with Scott Edwards live in the lab. I'm here noon central time. You know where to find me. I'm on X. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube. And guess what? All my friends on Instagram. Boom. We joined you today. We're going to Instagram and hey, we're going to go to Facebook here coming up soon too. We're all over the place. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We're live in the lab.